This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Kia ora koutou katoa and welcome to another episode of Cawthron Radio. This week we have a guest from Cawthron, a freshwater ecologist, Dr Simon Stewart, who's here to talk to us about an emerging environmental problem around the world in freshwater lakes that are by all accounts pristine, they're clear, but there's a problem that's popping up each summer. The lake bottom is turning green with algae blooms. This is a problem that's occurring in everywhere from New Zealand to Russia to the USA. And scientists have been somewhat puzzled as to the specific cause of this new global environmental issue. So kia ora, Simon. Welcome. Kia ora. Kia ora, Natalie. Simon's going to tell us a little bit about this problem, when we first kind of became aware of it, and why it's a puzzle. Simon, what are these blooms? Well, um, to, just to get a bit of a mental picture of what I'm talking about. So if you think about a really lovely sheepskin rug that's laid out where, you know, it's like that lovely, fluffy, long, long hair, but in, a, in a, just a thick carpet. But if you imagine that, but just bright, bright green and just across the whole bottom of the lake. So normally when people think about uh, algal blooms, they might think about, say, for example, Lake Ellesmere, Tiwai Hora, down near Christchurch, where the the water itself is that thick pea soup green, and because it, it's full of these of these algal cells in, suspended in the water. But what we're talking about here is the water column is remaining cr- uh, clear and and often you know crystal clear, so it's like very good quality water. And these algal mats are occurring on the bottom of the lake, so. It's, in some cases, it can be out of sight and people won't see the issue. And in other cases where the water is very clear and it's growing shallow enough where people might be, um, you can see it visibly from the shoreline, then it's becoming visible. Okay. And what type of algae is it that's growing? What's it called? Uh, so these, it's, um, it's uh, green algae. So we're not talking about toxic algae like cyanobacteria. These are, uh, uh, so yeah, green algae and the specific species name, we're seeing about two or three species. Often it is uh, spirogyra, which are long green filamentous algae. Okay. And what do we know about the cause of it? What are the factors that are contributing to it? And why is it suddenly becoming an issue? Well, um, yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing is, you know, it's a bit of a puzzle we don't really know. So uh, we've just released a recent paper and in that we provide several international case studies of where they're looking at this issue. So in each different case study, we basically, you know, based on really good sound science, basically it's been drawn back to quite a different cause. For example, in a a case study from Japan where they were able to relate the proliferation of these benthic algal mats to um, excessive use of um, pesticides on cropland which is then to you know kill pest insects which is then getting into the waterways and killing all the uh, insects in the lake and then and those those insects they graze they on that algae and keep it at a low biomass and then other examples say from Lake Tahoe and also Lake Baikal 
where it's related back to groundwater pollution. So nutrient-rich groundwater, which is slowly seeping into the lake, and then this benthic algae gets basically first cut of those nutrients as they're percolating through the sediment and into the lake. And then another example, again, would be in the uh, Great Lakes in North America, where they are getting these thick cladophora or you know, a different species, but these filamentous algal mats are growing. But that is being caused by an invasive muscle that's coming into the system and filtering all the nutrients out of the water column and then basically depositing them on the sediment where they can then be used by these algae growing on the bottom. But the emergence of this green bottom lake problem in otherwise clean lakes is relatively new. When, when did we first start? realising that this was occurring around the world? So the project that we're, I've been working on, we, that started in 2019, and that stemmed from a conference in China, so the International Society for Limnology. Their biennial conference was in China in 2018, and there are about three different people that gave the presentations quite independently discussing this uh, this issue that they were seeing in their region. So there was one on Lake Baikal, one in the Ashburton Lakes catchment in Canterbury, and one on Lake Tahoe. And so the three of us, we all went and saw each other's talks, and we're like, wow, you know, so this isn't just something that is happening locally, it's happening quite globally. And it was at that point that we started forming a bit of a group and talking to other people And it was just through that expanding the network that we actually discovered that a lot of people are seeing this all around the world. Wow. So I didn't realise that that was the impetus for it. I thought maybe a paper had been published or something, but that was purely because you were all together at the conference and and sharing information and knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So in that that case, it was really quite lucky in in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so you got funding in New Zealand to help support a formal project together? Yes. So the Royal Society Catalyst Fund, which is, it's a fund that's designed to tackle emerging issues. So it's, it's so and this fits into that bill really well. It's, it's, we don't know what's causing it. It's why it would be happening around the world. And so the funding enabled us to bring a wide range of experts from around the world together. And with the idea that Uh, New Zealand can play an important role in leading this international research effort. And you've just published a paper that kind of outlines the problem, but it doesn't necessarily identify the source of the problem yet, does it? Because you need to do a lot more research to be able to confirm the, the common denominator. Exactly. As I was saying, we, we talked about these these different case studies, but uh, how I would liken that would be, um, there's a cartoon that, uh, I think it was an old Larson cartoon that I used to quite like, that was, it was a picture of an elephant and there are about five people that were blindfolded and they were each trying to touch this elephant and and a different part of the elephant and trying to figure out what this thing was and they're all coming to these different conclusions because they couldn't quite see the bigger picture and this is where we really need research is to bring together these you know we've compiled a fantastic team of really diverse expertise you know we're, we're starting to see this issue at different places around the world and how it's manifesting in quite different ways and now getting uh, research funding to basically bring that together and look at it in quite a broad bigger picture light and that we can hopefully start to look at what some of the underlying drivers are that are causing this. So one obvious candidate would be climate change but getting to the trying to actually understand the relationship of how A to B to C and so on can be quite hard because often with these 
climate problems, these climate effects, it's not just warming per se and then you get a response. It's it's more of a, a chain reaction or a domino effect where you get a, a chain of causality that that springs off and that might manifest in different ways in uh, in different areas depending on the what are what the various drivers are in that place. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's really important that all of the countries or your research partners where they're seeing this problem continue to work together so that they can feed that data and that information back into the group because presumably no no single country or no single research project on its own could collate enough data or or cover enough of the factors to be able to to conclusively say it's climate change and this is why. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. And I think we're in a really exciting position in the science in that sense in that so, you know, limnology or the study of lakes a lot of the knowledge that we we still use to apply for management these days it's based on science that was done in a handful of north american lakes largely in the 1950s 60s and maybe into the 70s so it's very successful it's been incredible for management but not all of those paradigms that came from that that research apply around the world and particularly in New Zealand whereas we've got a chance to basically you know we've got a a new problem that's emerging within lakes and it doesn't fit within this paradigm and we've got a chance to really tackle this from a global perspective these days and we can bring in such a wide range of lakes from all around the world to be studying to address this issue so I think that's pretty exciting actually. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Simon, for joining us today. Can people access the journal article, the Bioscience Magazine article, or do you need to have a subscription to that? No, there is an open access article, so anyone can go on the website and download that. Great, and there is a news article on our website about Simon's research that you can check out if you visit www.cawthron.org.nz. Thanks very much for joining us. Mātewa. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.